This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. It is great to have Lewis Brackpool back with us this evening. Lewis, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's good to be on War Room as well. So I've been a fan for quite a while. So yeah, it's an absolute privilege. So thank you very much for hosting, uh, Peter. It really means a lot. Not at all. And for War Room, you can get, there is Lewis's handle on Twitter, also on Substack. Uh, what's up just Lewis Brackpool on Substack? Uh, I haven't written on Substack for quite a while now. <laughs> Uh, so mostly it's YouTube uh, under my name, Lewis Brackpool X, obviously formerly known as Twitter. Same link as you can see there. Uh, and of course, Instagram and Telegram, if you use that as well. That's that's all I use at the minute to push everything out. Okay, they're all there. And make sure and uh, follow Lewis. Uh, the weird thing was Lewis and I, uh, had a few drinks over lunch today because we were at a interesting event, which was Calvin Robinson's ordination. I don't actually know if he's put pictures out yet. I know lots of pictures taken uh, at the event. Um, and those of you in the UK will know uh, Calvin Robinson from his many things that he's done, including his GB News days, which uh, came to an abrupt halt because uh, I actually don't really know why it came to an abrupt halt, uh, but he is a a legend and it was wonderful to see him uh, being ordained. So, Lewis, it was great to catch up over a, uh, a event that I guess I wouldn't have expected to be at, but um, good event and then a good catch up after. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I mean, pardon the pun, but I was I did feel blessed uh, from, of course, receiving the blessing from uh, Calvin Robinson straight after him being ordained. So that was a, a great privilege and good to have a, a liquid lunch, as we say over here, uh, straight after. So, yeah, it was. I did have lime soda as well. So, yes, we did have that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, let's go. Actually, there are one or two things in-house. Uh, Projam, can you just put that up full screen? And then I'll bring that up, the first one. And this is uh, this is two things in-house, just. Um, it's all right to be Dwight. This is a podcast that we have started with. Um, with Dwight Schultz. Uh, the weird thing was Dwight Schultz, one of my childhood heroes from the A-team, uh, playing Howling Mad Murdoch, and I've got to know him. Uh, he watched our shows, had him on, and he now does a podcast for us, and we dropped the first two episodes, and it is a stream of consciousness from Dwight, who's fully on board on everything. So really great uh, to have Dwight on board. You dropped the first one on Wednesday, second one on Friday, and we'll drop the third one next week so look out for that on podbean um and as heartsofoak.podbean.org uh, and everything goes up there and the other thing is on the substack side um <clears throat> and we just literally on our on our substack we are just putting up um our transcripts so it is uh, nothing more than that at the moment. Uh, we're not really set up to do more. It's unwise to put more up uh, than you can initially. So let me see if I can bring this up and use my uh, magic. And I, I, yes, I am going to. Shock horror. I can, I can actually do it. Uh, and here it is. No, it's not. <laughs> I gotta make it work. Pro Jam. Uh, sorry, my producer in the background. Stick up screen two. Uh, I can't get it to work. I failed miserably. Can you please put up number two? Um, and just give you an idea with uh, all the, the transcripts, there's a, a lot of material there. Uh, three shows a week. Now with Dwight doing the separate podcasts. That is five. Well, that's five so far, uh, but generally will be four. And you can see uh, Naomi Wolf uh, facing the beast, courage. 
Faith and Resistance in New Dark Age. It was her latest book, and Robert Malone uh, before that. And um, two people who I've got to know over the time. And that is up on Substack. So do go and make use of that heartsofoak.substack.com. So, removing that, we're going to now get on to Mr. Brackpool. Uh, uh, oh, actually, first, no. Prochan, can you put up screen three? First of all, it is a special month. And I don't know if Lewis realized that he was joining us on the special month, which is much better than Pride, much better. And that is trans awareness month <laughs> so Lewis, it's wonderful to have you with thank us on this you. special month and thank david vance did tweet does this coincide with hashtag mental health month which is a whole other conversation so um yeah trans awareness month uh, i don't know how that fits into hamas awareness month but uh what what are your thoughts on those two fitting together well it's funny you say that i had no idea uh that this month was actually a thing really um i don't know raising awareness to what exactly i'm not quite sure what it actually means um as well i can see the tagline there trans rights are human rights as well i just I don't know. I thought it was all encompassing these days, but yeah, I, yeah, I had no idea until you brought it up to me. So this is a, a wonderful surprise as well. Thank you for that, Peter. Well, I'm, uh, we're happy to bring surprises on here uh, with our guests, and and I uh, I don't really know if any of our guests can speak into that topic. We haven't got to that point yet of of madness. But um, yeah, trying to wear. So if if some of the viewers and listeners think it's it's going a bit a it, it mightn't be Halloween. It might just be Trans Awareness Month <laughs> that that's causing the issues. But let's go. Um, Lewis has been on Lotus Eaters this week, and um, Projan, if we can bring up screen four for that. Uh, Lotus Eaters, obviously a great venture launched by the one and only Sargon of Akkad, a.k.a. Carl Benjamin, or vice versa. Uh, and they've got a, a great setup. Um, I mean, maybe let's just mention that it, they, they have got a great setup. And mm. I don't know, was that, you've been on before. Were you on the old setup? Was that the first time on the new one? Because when I went a couple of weeks ago, it was the first time with their beautiful, beautiful screen. And, and you did the lads hour after. Tell us about it. Yes, I've been on a few times now. They're a fantastic setup over, unfortunately, in a park called Swindon, uh, which is not very good. Well, it's very diverse, put it that way. Um, so it's one of those sorts of places. But um, yeah, fantastic uh, setup. And I had a great show as well the other day. We spoke about uh, Jordan Peterson's arc and we had a bit of a, a push and pull on the... Um, well, on the subject matter surrounding ARC and, you know, a few questionable guests that um, did appear at ARC. And so, you know, we had a little bit of a to and throw and spoke a little bit about it and how, in my view, I'm kind of bored now of the conferences. The people want action as opposed to just words, you know. So I think that's kind of was my point in that segment. But I also... Uh, spoke uh, on my own segment to do with a particular story that came up, and that was to do with um, well, we all we all hear about these pods that uh, the World Economic Forum and all these scary NGOs that have been really sort of pushing towards the West. But now we have something uh, called they're called Sarco pods, which are coming to Switzerland, and these pods, unfortunately. Uh, are being geared towards euthanasia, where you can, if you wanted, you pass a fitness, a mental fitness test, you get in this pod, and with a press of a button, nitrogen gas fills into this uh, uh, this spaceship-looking pod, and you can request where this pod is set up for your last moments. And it's it's very dark, very twisted, and the creator of this of these pods, these scary looking things, um, actually took the inspiration from Soylent Green, which is not supposed to be a film that you take inspiration from. Um, so I chucked this up when I was looking around for topics and I said, yep, yeah, I'm against this with every fibre of my being. Um, and I obviously wrote a little bit about the pod and I thought, well, let's talk about it on Lotus Eaters. And, uh, 
Well, we went through it. We had to mock it, of course, because it's absolutely ludicrous mm -hmm. and it is clown world that we're living in. Um, but also, you had we had to navigate it through quite, you know, in the sensitive topic, because as you know, the, the topic surrounding this, as much as we can take the mick out of this, the pods, but the subject matter around this is quite sensitive. So we, we hit some home truths uh, with regards to the subject. But still, yes, it was... Uh, rather entertaining but had a dark subject matter it it's it certainly does and it's it i mean i am pro-life beginning and the the whole the whole thing um but but then i do know people struggling through huge illnesses and they see that as as possibly a way out, but uh, I kind of think, well, palliative care, care that looks after the person and helps them, that's what I want to be offered and not a, a pillow over the head or a pot that fits with, fills up with some gas. That doesn't seem like the end that I want. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think this person just watched too many sci fi movies to sort of really sort of try and figure out, I don't know, their sort of sick way of, of you know, dealing with that. But the thing is, the problem that I have, I am so cynical. And the reason why I'm cynical is the past three years, governments across the West haven't exactly been very truthful yeah. with us plebs. And so I, for me, I'm worried that this sort of power um, can actually be abused very, very quickly. I mean, we've seen what happened over in Canada. I'm sure um, War Room guests and as well as people watching with uh, Hearts of Oak too know about Canada and their maids um, scheme where the healthcare system, people as young as 18, if they're, if they're feeling mentally unstable or they're, they're psychological, they, they have psychological issues, they can just, well, end their life through a pra practitioner, through this maid scheme. And that's scary. And to think that there are young people, uh, aged 18, um, to in their twenties or any age really, uh, that are doing this sort of thing over stuff like climate alarmism. That's worrying. That's that's something we should be avoiding. So my point was, I'm a cynic, and I will I will continue to be one because I need to. I, I'm always questioning these these types of practices, and of course the governments in general. So, for me, we should be pointing the conversation towards life and the sacredity of life and how life is very precious, uh, as opposed to a very powerful machine that with a click of a button, uh, you can just go, even under circumstances of psychological stress or, you know, mental health issues. And I think that's, we need to home in, that's not the way. That is not the way whatsoever. And we should be looking at better alternatives. And the fact that you have to even say that in these times is 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 sad and, and very worrying. It is, and of course, whenever you open that up, the issue is that whatever checks and balances you have in place will fall away. Because obviously, in um, in is it is it Belgium? I think that now children can go and kill themselves if yeah. life's too tough or they get depressed. And imagine if, if parent, if you find out, oh, my child just killed themselves because they went and said they were feeling a bit down that day. Oh, don't worry, I child, just... you'll have this, and it's. Actually, when you open up that chasm, then it's actually just utterly destructive against a society. Um, and Belgium have zero checks and balances on it. Uh, what you sign a form, so uh, we've seen with abortion clinics, doctors pre signing forms. So maybe doctors pre sign these forms and just kill off a raft of children. Yeah, well, well, exactly. And th this was the, the big scandal with maids as well. Um, you know. There's been talk. I've seen it's mostly chatter online, but I think people have done like sort of video content surrounding maids, um, and they were saying things like how uh, if they had like an illness or they mentally weren't there, and they were trying to find solutions with their doctor, they do give a, a leaflet or a pamphlet that says, "Well, have you considered committing?" And it's a bit like, yeah, that's not going to help the situation, is it? Um, you know, you're only in a period of pain it's always temperamental i always say this life is always a peak and a trough and you never know when you're at a peak that's the that's the thing you never you never know when you're really you're at your best until someone pinches you but we all know when we're in a trough 
So we have to remember that, yes, sometimes everyone goes through troughs, but there is always a peak around the corner. And we have to really hone that in to not only young people, but so many people. Yeah, no, com- completely. Well, let's move. What was um, actually the, the arc? Let, let's touch on that yes. without bringing up any any graphic. Now, arc, what the Alliance of Responsible Citizenship is it? Um, headed up, started, well, not necessarily, but by Jordan Peterson. And it was in London over a couple of days. I had the privilege of meeting up load of people, uh, Tina Skovich and James Lindsay and Billboard Chris and Ezra Levant and Avi Yemeni. And there's so many people I was able to catch up with. And that was a, a blessing, uh, certainly for me. But this, you, you discuss, and I haven't watched the segment yet on Lotus Eaters. Um, and it seems as though, well, some people call it WF 2.0. Uh, is that because you were excluded? And I know we were chatting about that over lunch this afternoon. Um, maybe touch on that because it's difficult to touch on something when you kind of want to be critical of aspects. But uh, I mean, as we as hard to, we try, try not, you can spend all your time criticizing people who are on your side and you don't want to get yeah. sucked into that. But what were what were your thoughts and kind of what was the piece about on Lotus Eaters on the Ark? So the piece was um, a good friend of mine, Connor Tomlinson, who had been to the Ark, uh, the the conference, and he he was doing some reporting there, and he just basically presented what was all happening, mm-hmm. and it was kind of Connor was presenting. Uh, what was happening, what people were saying, some of the speakers, some things he agreed with, some things he disagreed with, showed me some pamphlets. They had a fantastic, um, huge sort of booklet, all about demographics and immigration and things like that. So really hard-hitting stuff, but nobody talked about it, which I thought was really odd. But And we discussed this on the the actual segment as well. But the thing that I, I was quite puzzled about was some of the choices of speakers uh, that were at this event. Um, For example, uh, Michael Gove, who, of course, is part of the establishment. So I was was very sceptical as soon as I saw that, and I thought, well, what is this event all about? Now... There was other people there, like Jimmy Carr, which I which I even said on the uh, the the podcast. I said, "What what is he doing there?" Like it was like a David Brent. Mm. Um, it, it was like um, it was like something out of The Office or something. You know, what are you doing here? Type thing. But the the problem that I I was having was not just that. Was people are sick and tired now of conferences. Yeah. People are sick and tired of um people are sick and tired of people just just talking about things without action it's funny when i see people that are part of the establishment Mm. on stage talking about well we should do this and we should do that and it's like well hang on a minute no you're in power you have the power to enact policy you have the power to pressure your colleagues and your teammates to push through good policy stuff that you're already talking about and I'm sitting there almost flabbergasted. Like, why are these? I don't. First of all, I don't get why these people were platformed in the first place. Mm. But on, on secondly, is why are these people talking the talk when they can clearly walk the walk if they just do it? Yep. And that's that's my biggest problem with it. The other thing um, that I was going to mention uh, regarding this is, well. <sighs> I, I guess I'm I'm talking at it from someone who hasn't been invited, right? So of course I'm going to be a little bit biased. Uh, of course, you know I'd like to go to conferences. That'd be great to chit chat and network and all that. But like I said, people want answers. People want solutions. Uh, we don't we don't just want a fan club where people sort of get together. And many of the audiences here watching will probably never have the opportunity to go to these sorts of events. But people. Yes, we like a debate. We like to live stream and get people from our side and other sides and whatever side to have a have a chat and show the battle of ideas and show the best idea. Mm. But when it comes to policy now, people just want solutions. People want someone to, excuse my French, but pull their finger out of their ass and actually do something about it, you know? 
that would be a revolution. Uh, 100%, 100% agree. And I saw some of the figures on the platform um, and put my head in my hand, especially some of the figures, like one of the speakers who I'll not name, who actually has been fantastic on the tyranny of Islam. Then the tyranny of COVID comes and that person says, oh, this isn't my wheelhouse. Why so won't talk about it? Um, or others who said, just get jabbed, jabbed, and then we'll get out of this. Uh, and they're speaking about fighting against tyranny. I mean, I don't, yeah, it, it, it's really confusing. I, I don't get it. And, you know, there was another thing. So there was a, a theory to why these people were being platformed, because they were being platformed first before the big speakers came in and spoke about anti-tyranny oh. rhetoric and, and things like that. And we, we didn't come to this conclusion, but it was on the table, right, of discussion. And that's, it's almost like 4D chess. It's like bringing people saying, yeah, the establishment can come join us for this big conference. Mm. Yeah, yeah, if you want to pitch something, that's absolutely fine. They pitch their terrible ideas and they pitch tone-deaf ideas and, and policies to people. And then, you know, there's like a smattering of applause. And then suddenly you bring in the people that do want to actually make change and, and, and have great ideas and, and win the battle of ideas with that, with massive applause and sort of almost embarrasses the the establishment in that way. I mean, that is on the table. Yeah. It it can you can sort of crowbar that and and make it and mould it so it appears like that. But I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm totally honest. Once again, I'm very cynical for the past couple of years. Yeah. So to me, when I see something like that, like Michael Gove giving a speech about freedom, alarm bells start, start you know, ringing. So I'm like, hmm, not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of examples I could give of how that sounds like, but I'm not even going down that rabbit hole. Um, let's go something completely different. You posted this, and I'll bring it up, and uh, I encourage the... Uh, it's gonna, yeah, there we are. I, I encourage the viewers to go and have a look at Lewis's Twitter. Um, and this is the fun with having guests on that get different things thrown up. This is a, a video, we'll, we'll not play it. I'll again, I'll encourage you to go and uh, look at Lewis's Twitter page. I said, the leading cause of death in males between the ages of 20 to 49 in England is suicide. And this was posted by Norwich City Football Club, titled Check In and Those Around You, a powerful, important video. Make sure you check in on your mates. And it ends up being uh, a surprise uh, of the person who the person is struggling. But like this is, Lewis, is a massive issue, as you say, especially amongst mm. guys. And uh, guys don't really discuss things it's more how are you doing yeah. i'm fine great uh, and then you can order yeah. it but it is a massive issue and i think it's it's great that you've highlighted it. it's a great video uh by north city football club um and uh how, kind of how did it catch your eye how did you kind of come across was it in your news feed or how did it pop up yeah firstly i want to say it looks like i've got a theme going on with my twitter <laughs> at the minute with this so I just want to say it's not all filled like this, I promise. <laughs> I do talk about white pill stuff a lot as well. Just just throwing that out there, just in case people think, oh, this guy's a bit depressing. Um, but um, no, it, it, it is right. The uh, Yes, the leading cause of death in males between the ages of 20 to 49 in England is unfortunately um, suicide. And like you said, it is a massive problem. This video actually came up on my timeline and I saw it. And, you know, you, you watch a lot of these, a lot of adverts these days, and you're not quite sure where it's going because of social revolutionaries and marketing team that really want to push certain agendas. But this had it spot on, had it completely spot on. And I thought, wow, OK, finally, there's there's a there's a campaign out there uh, from a very unexpected football club that came out and decided to talk about this. And I thought, great, this needs to be shown to places. So it and I put it up gave them credit and it's just such an important topic because blokes find it so difficult like you said to, to sort of hash it out with one another and I think we've gotten so much better in the past sort of couple of decades now mm. um the problem is is with social media I think I think I, I blame a lot of it on social media and I know that sounds very boomer but I think it's um I think it is true uh, social media you're easy to compare people's lives with each other, right? 
you could sit there and say, well, I've, I've done all this work, I've done all this, but then I've seen my mate who's doing 10 times better. But mm. it's all a mask, really, social media. And it's so important to recognize that it's not real life. And it's one of my, one of my biggest and best um, ways of sort of dealing with things when you're feeling a bit down or you're in a trough is call up your mates or call up someone uh, that you're sort of close with um, who's another male and just to go down the pub and to uh, to have a chat with. I think that's so effective and so important. And I think a lot of guys, especially my mates, are doing a lot of that. And they're becoming a lot honest um, mm. without showing vulnerability to, let's say, their partner or their wife or anyone else. They're actually consolidating within their male friends. And I think that's so important. And I think more guys should be encouraged uh, to actually speak uh, to their fellow uh, male friends because... We know what it's like to be a male uh, and no offence to women, but um, of course they will never figure out or never know what it's like to be a bloke, vice versa uh, for us to females. So it's important to, of course, talk to, I hate to say it, talk to our tribe and to really um, just hash out what's going on. So I thought great advert needs to be posted. And so I did. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. Um that's the end of our self-help section. We're now <laughs> yes. moving on. So any of those uh, uh, suicidal, either in your pod or anywhere else, <laughs> Liz has given it to you. Uh, we will now move on to, this is on uh, on Brexit or pretend Brexit or kind of Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Mail Online, Daily Mail. We got Brexit done but we're still paying the EU. Britain handed over more than £9 billion to Brussels. That's $10 billion. So it's a lot, whatever currency you take it in, and probably even more in uh, the Argentinian currency, which is probably trillions. Yeah. Um, last year, as Eurocrats squandered billions on aid project, uh, figures show payment for leaving the bloc surged by 60% uh, in last year. Uh, some is more than Britain's payment to Brussels for many years as a member. That line blew me away. But it, it's, again, the whole issue of Brexit and our government actually not knowing what to do with it and cocking up in the mm. most momentous way. But I guess, Lewis, this doesn't really surprise us, does it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I voted leave. Um, and the reason why I voted leave at the time was because of lawmaking. I didn't like the idea of the European Union being able to dictate laws within England and to prevent, um, let's say, uh, do you remember Abu Hamza that was Mm. supposed to be deported and that big sort of controversy in the news where he was a convicted terrorist, he needed to be deported and the European Union blocked it. And it was around the time of, of Brexit, it was around that time of the talk. And I thought that's wrong. That's wrong. We, we shouldn't have an unelected, bureaucratic, I, I want to say fascist, really, mm. um, sort of <laughs> just, I don't know, a conglomerate of just elites who aren't elected yeah. and to be able to dictate laws from other countries uh, without them even stepping foot into the country. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to me. So that was one of the main reasons and, and various others. But the fact that we are still sending money to this, I still want to say it, fascist organisation, uh, is just, it's mind-blowing to me. It's absolutely mind-blowing. So it's unsurprising, really, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to go full James O'Brien just constantly talking about Brexit. Yeah. But at the same time, when you see stories like this, you think, you do actually think, what was the point? What was the point? And I think a lot of people who voted leave, such as myself, are really starting to, well, have thought for a while, what was the point in all of that? What was the point in all the fight when you have Europhiles within government that are still going to, you know, accept or send money uh, to this organisation that we're supposed to leave from? We're supposed to cut ties with and say, no, thanks. We want to be sovereign again. And looks like it, it never really happened <laughs> so um yeah I'm, I'm gutted but i'm unsurprised really yeah well i guess someone has to pay to keep the eu mad mad project alive mm-hmm. um and uh yeah but it's 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 really not 
not surprising. And again, shows the contempt that many of us have for our political leaders is is rightfully placed. Um, but let's let's put this in Andrew Bridgen because Andrew mm. Bridgen MP, uh, we had um, maybe ten days ago. Uh, obviously, Andrew Bridgen is was thrown out of the Conservative Party uh, for talking about vaccine harms. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had uh, had the, the debate in Parliament uh, weeks ago on vaccine harms, the first in the UK Parliament. And this is a great uh, piece from the Conservative woman. Now Andrew Bridgen takes on the power-hungry World Health Organization. Um, and that's his, uh, his speech on this. Uh, and the... Uh, I'll just read the first couple of lines. Hard on the heels of his excess death debate last Tuesday, the admirably energetic and purposeful Andrew Bridgen MP has been granted leave to bring in a parliamentary sovereignty referendum bill under the 10-minute rule bill, which allows a backbench MP that's non-government to propose a new bill uh, in a speech lasting 10 minutes and the second reading of the bill will be november the 24th and um i will certainly go along to parliament to watch that and see how that but it i mean lewis it really seems like there is one single mp out of 650 that actually gives a damn about anything but how uh, i mean you're not in the kind of political i've had the the honour and misfortune, maybe to uh, to be a pass holder and and to work for Lord Pearson to work in Parliament for over a decade now, um, but you're not in that mix. So, h- how do you see um, a, a single person really championing the the rights of the people? Well, I'll tell you what. I posted on Twitter um, around that sort of time uh, when he done his um, uh, parliamentary debate on excess deaths. Mm. And I put up a screenshot. You could probably find it on my profile. Um, and it's it splits in half. And you've got the screenshot of the entire uh, House of Commons, or the common room, with uh, with the amount of MPs that were, that were there for the excess death debate. Yeah. And then underneath, you had them all in there for their, the, for their pay rise. And mm. the stark difference, I mean, it's unsurprising... But the stark difference is is almost sickening. And the only caption I could really think of when I put it up on uh, Instagram was, they hate you. Yep. That's that's the only caption I could really sort of, I don't know, formulate. Uh, because that's how it feels to, to people that aren't within this sphere. You have one man in there that is trying all he can on his own to raise awareness about excess deaths. He's even talking about really, um, really potent subjects such as midazolam and the midazolam scandal happening uh, in um, the UK. The midazolam scandal was uh, during the time of COVID, uh, we had care homes that, um, (laughs) well, it was a very dark time. We had care homes who were having dosages raised for mm. uh, this drug called midazolam which, which is a benzodiazepine and uh, it's used for people that before they go into surgery and it's used to calm anxiety and um, I think I believe the dosages was was high or higher than usual and it had been raised and many people had unfortunately died because of this drug that would been given now when questioned to Matt Hancock the health secretary at the time uh, he said, oh, yes, we're going to make sure that there is enough batches of midazolam for every care home. This was during the height of it. And then after he claimed he hadn't heard of what midazolam was until this, quote, conspiracy theory came around. Because people that were dying of midazolam were being written off as COVID deaths, hmm. which was even worse. It was just it was just a scandal. And so Andrew Bridgen has, has started to speak about that as well. So I get it's one step at a time with things such as within politics, with the House of Commons. It's easy for us commentators or journalists to just push out stories like willy nilly and just Mm. talk about as much as possible. But when it comes to being, I can imagine, in the game or within the Westminster bubble, it's going to be difficult. You have to take things step by step. The only thing that you can sort of diverge and talk about other subjects is on your own Twitter account. So 
I feel bad for him. I feel bad that he's on his own in there. I'm glad that there was a clip that was posted of him debating the excess deaths and raising awareness to this, that there was a crowd of people outside of the House of Commons cheering him on and that you could hear it through the recording. <laughs> and I thought, I can't believe there are more people in that common room cheering him on through a TV screen then there are MPs actually in the House of Commons debating this issue or raising awareness or talking about this issue. Mm. Um, I just I just feel terrible for him, and it's just a reflection of British politics and how sluggish and awful it is, really. Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, I'm just so thankful that there is one person stand up, and I heard, I, I heard the cheers and thought, I've never heard that. Literally, I've never, never. heard cheers never. from... I thought... Where, where where's it come from and yeah. it was it was outside but that that support and i i i assure you that those in the house those sitting there mps would have been uh, surprised by yeah. that volume of of support that that does not happen so it was interesting yeah. yeah yeah i agree and um i just hope i i know you shouldn't ever trust an mp Put it that way. And that's just me and my cynicism, right? Because, you know, MPs can turn and change mm. um, depending on the cause. If you believe in something and they disagree or they vote something against your cause, then, of course, um, you know, it, it's a conflict of interest and it, it does affect you. And, of course, Andrew Bridgen uh, did vote for lockdowns at one point and he did get the vaccine uh, at some point. But now it's it, he's realized he's woken up he's realized and it's happened and he was injured by the vaccine and um the fact that he's someone who did vote for that and did take the jab but then yep. had a change of heart and decided um well i'm i'm going to have i'm speaking up against this because no one else will mm. and there are people behind the scenes that do speak but they don't make it public and I just say shame on them because it, it, this is people's lives. This is so many people's lives uh, within British society that have just been let down. Yeah. So I say, I say kudos to him uh, for actually standing up and doing what's right. Yeah, completely. And here's another issue. We had a few people supposedly stand up. Um, uh, and this is the Million March for Palestine. Now, I've seen clips of videos of uh, of fights breaking out, uh, of fireworks being fired at government buildings, a fight to the police. And this, but this is actually uh, next week. We've seen what's happened today, but this is what the push is: the friends of Al-Aqsa peace in Palestine. Uh, peace that's an interesting term coming from these type of groups but the million march for palestine let's make this the biggest march in history this is saturday uh, the 11th of november spread the word and join the march buses coming from everywhere and martin daubney uh former uh brexit party and now a gb news and he said and I just thought this was really well put. It's astonishing that coaches from Batley are heading to London on November the 11th to march for Palestine on Armistice Day. A reminder that the Batley Grammar School teacher is still in hiding two and a half yes. years on. Yet Batley residents are heading to London to dole out moral advice. Um, uh, I could have finished off a tweet by saying it's because the teacher... Uh, did a, a picture on Islam or Muhammad and therefore all the Muslims came out and started uh, attacking him and he had to go into hiding. That's the background. You cannot critique Islam. Um, but it's, I mean, I, I, we, I assume we both are concerned for um, this outpouring of rage and anger. Um, uh, what is happening in there in the Middle East? Um, and, the anger and rage seems to be coming from one side, and it's those who say they supposedly stand up for the supposed place of Palestine or the supposed nationality of Palestinians, or uh, that's a whole other area. But I tell us your thoughts because this, this is this is going to be possibly a big spark next weekend. Yeah, so we've spoken off camera about um, our views uh, regarding, obviously, the conflict in the Middle mm. East and, uh, you know, whether there is a solution or isn't a solution to what to what is actually happening. Um, 
I've just noticed is Al Aksar. I've never heard of these before, um, so I don't know who they are. Uh, I believe, but I say I haven't heard of them. That's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a white lie there. Um, I think I I have heard something yeah, regards to to Al Aksar, but I don't know the ins and outs of this group. Hmm. Um, here's the thing. I don't know why this. I don't know why. <sighs> This is so difficult because there's two sides to me, okay, Peter? I'll be honest with you. There's two sides. I'm a free speech absolutist, as you know, and as you are. Uh, I do believe in the right to protest. You know, no matter how much I disagree with one side or a particular side or whoever, it doesn't matter, you should still be allowed to protest regardless. However, there is something grotesque about doing uh, protesting of whatever cause it may be not even just palestine just anything protesting on that day mm. um during um during remembrance sunday for people that gave their lives to to fight fascism and to fight uh, to to stop us from being overtaken by uh, the nazi party so yeah. there 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 is something there is something very there is something grotesque and there is something very uh, quite sinister about that. Uh, and that, that's my view on it. However, I don't, I'm with Peter Hitchens. Peter Hitchens says, actually, I want to know what people think. Hmm. And I think that's probably the sensible way to be because I, I, do, I do believe in freedom of speech and expression. I don't think protests should be banned at all, uh, no matter what the day. Um, yeah. But there is, of course, a time and a place, and it, it is judged upon those who do decide to turn up. Um, but I, I think there is a part of me that says we shouldn't ban, we shouldn't, which we shouldn't be quick to ban protests because we saw in the last three years of lockdowns uh, and, of course, uh, protesting against that and how the, the police were very rough and, and handled people like. Who, who protested about anti-lockdown and, yep. and, of course, the vaccines and the mandates and things like that. And we saw a great coming together. Now we're seeing a big divide uh, between people. And, uh, of course, my views on the, the conflict over in um, uh, Israel and Palestine is, is not necessarily your conventional one um, because I refuse to actually take a side. You know this, uh, and we've spoken about this. Yep. Um, so... I think it's all about optics. If you want to push your cause, I don't think it's a good idea to do it on Remembrance Sunday, and it's not going to go down well with the British public. So Mm. anyone who's deciding to go to this, I'm going to say do not go. Don't do it because it's not good for optics. It's not good for your cause, and it's not going to help. It's actually going to stir up trouble. Um, I don't think it should be banned. I don't think... Anyone protesting anything, if Just Stop Oil decided to leap up and do their thing, I don't think it should be banned. I just, that's, and we, and I think people on the conservative right do need to really remember that we do have principles when it comes to free speech, the right to assemble and things like that. But we do, we should remember that we, we still should criticize. And that criticism is still just as important as the right to assemble. I hope I've worded that okay and I've not upset anyone. Uh, but even if you are upset, that's on you. I don't really care personally, but that's your right to be upset. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my point. Don't ban it, but also I don't think it's a good idea to even turn up uh, for that sort of thing. So, yeah. I agree, and everyone has a nuanced position in this, whereas yeah. fully Neil Corn that we should be sending every cruise <laughs> missile to nope. actually Israel is the source of all the world's problems. Um, and I'll be more on the pro-Israel side simply because my, uh, as a Christian, the, the biblical view, uh, but everyone should be able to live in peace and no one should live in fear. Um, but maybe those in Gaza shouldn't have to be forced to live under a Hamas government. The, uh, yeah. And the, the problem is as well, Peter, is the continuing escalation of the conflict. And I'm mm. not saying a ceasefire is, is the right way to go about it necessarily at all. Um, 
But the continuing bombardment of Gaza will leave millions of people displaced and we will bear the brunt of it in Europe and America and Canada. So we have to really think carefully. And Israel has a massive responsibility on what happens next. Okay, and the videos that I've been seeing for the past month have been so grotesque. It's I think I think I've made myself ill from watching Mm. so much horrific stuff. And deciding I'm going to take a break. And then now, I, I, as you can tell by my voice, I'm very unwell. Um, but um, it's, it's so important because the next steps are so crucial. And yeah. calling for more bloodlust is is not necessarily going to get the, the correct solution. Now, I don't know what the solution is. I'll be honest, Peter. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not well-versed in this subject. It's, it's, it's a work in progress for mm. me. Um, and notice how I'm trying to tiptoe with this because whatever happens, I'm called either an anti-Semite or a, a terrorist sympathizer or, you know, that I'm pro-genocide. So I can't win. I can't win whatever I say. But I believe in my own fundamental values and that's freedom of speech, the right to assemble. But I also believe that you should criticize yep. when appropriate and that I think... I, I don't think the neocon way of just give lots of money to another foreign country and send lots of our troops to go and die for another foreign war. I don't think that's right. So that's all I'm going to say about. No, that. I agree. And um, we'll we'll five stories. We'll try and do two or three minutes in each. But just on that, I um, as much as part of me would like the West to fund Israel to make sure Israel is secure. At the other side, I mean, as, as Steve Banners put, uh, as his criticism of the new speaker is that, no, America first. You're Absolutely. First, I believe in that. I believe really, in that. The, the first statement, the first bill, the first measure, the speaker cannot be, we're going to send money abroad whenever you've got your problem with an unsecured border on the side. Fix their own problems, have money for Americans. And then when you sort that out, by all means, you can send money elsewhere as aid. And is that everyone else first, except America. And that's the confusion of the speaker, but that's a whole issue. We'll knock it in. Um, (laughs) Because we could easily, let's try to do two or three minutes on each. And you haven't seen this picture. So uh, don't worry. The Middle East is fixed because this individual um, in Transgender Month has spoken, and I thought it was Babylon B. You haven't seen this picture, so you may be repulsed. Oh You've seen a lot of pictures. And and this is this little individual. They may be a large individual, sorry. Woke transgender rabbi gets Biden to call for pro-Hamas pause in Gaza war. I did think this was Babylon B when I first saw it, and I get annoyed at people posting stuff that isn't necessarily true. Find your facts and then repost it. But this is a a Minnesota man. I I don't know what it is, a man or woman or just someone who has issues. But (laughs) a a Minnesota man, sorry, who says he is a woman and also a rabbi, probably Joe Biden to call for a pause in the, And it, it just, it's the madness. It is absolute clown world. But I think you need to rest easy, Lewis, knowing that, um, this individual, Jessica Rosenberg, has called for world peace. So I think we're getting it by the end of this podcast. <laughs> well, um, well, I, I'm guessing you're you're wishing me well on my trans awareness month for the second time. Um, so thanks for that, Peter. Uh, um, I think I've I have had lunch and a bit of dinner, so I think I'm I think I'm all right now for the rest of the night. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that. When you see these come up and you think, no way is that, and then you realize, no, this is actually the madness of the world we live in, that this um, bloke in a dress with a little goatee um, is calling for world peace and the world listened to it. Hi, yeah. Sorry, Peter, I've not got a comeback there. (laughs) I've got nothing to say. It's just... No, I've got nothing. I'm so let, sorry. Let, let, let's move on to uh, <laughs> let's move on to to labour. 
And what we were discussing, uh, this, of course, is coming up to wearing your poppy to remember the soldiers who have fallen yes. in originally the First Second World War. Now, many others to stand up for our freedoms that we enjoy that we no longer really have. But that's another part of that. Um, and David Vance put up this and I was blown away. He said, hi, hi there, Keir Stammer, Lisa Nandy. Uh, obviously, Keir Stammer, head of the Labour Party, Lisa Nandy, I know it was, was foreign deputy or shadow foreign, I don't know what she is mm. now, and Anna Sarwar, who obviously is a Labour politician, whatever happened to your poppies? Um, and these were of them going out, uh, speaking to uh, Labour, and then the second one was, um, it seemed to be all on the same day, actually speaking to Muslim groups, and they had removed their poppy and this i mean Lewis, this is the worst in politics that you do whatever your audience wants and you have nothing you stand for and you were talking about your views on israel and um and and gaza that war and you you put your views this is what you believe and and i'll stick by it and then you see our politicians actually saying they believe something in one breath and the next breath hiding away yeah, I mean, it's just theatre. We all know it is. We know that the, we know that the two-party system we have in this country, with both Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak or whoever they decide to to elect, there is no backbone. They don't believe what they say, and that's why we're in so much trouble. Is because it's all theatre. It's just all a ruse. It's it's all acting. It's yeah. it's all they want is to what's the, what's the word i'm looking for it's they want to appease they just mm. want to appease as much people as possible for votes they don't care about you once they're elected once yeah. keir starmer is made prime minister which i think he will be unfortunately um and well there's no other options really i mean <laughs> regardless of who decides who goes in then you know it's all world economic forum nonsense anyway really isn't it yeah. but the problem is they, nobody believes in anything anymore. That's my point. Nobody actually has a backbone anymore. They, they'll just they'll say in pitter patter around in conferences, or they'll say to the piece to camera to Sky News or some other bobblehead, you know, oh, you know, I believe in so and so. Labour should believe this, and then nobody actually challenges these people on the true questions. But then when it comes to things like this, in terms of optics, everyone is being played. Mm. It's just a game of chess. And so when I see that, you know, the Muslim, the Muslim community in Britain, if you wrote it on paper, they're, they're sort of the values within Islam. I know yeah. we have our questions regards to that. But if you write it down in values, it does lean towards conservative as, as opposed to the left. Mm. The only reason why is because I don't, I, I don't understand necessarily the reason why, I'm, I'm sure you could answer this, Peter, the reason why um, many Muslims within um, Britain vote for, for Labour. Um, but it's, it's clear to show that it's just appeasement and he doesn't actually care about Islamophobia or whatever buzzword yeah. it is. He doesn't actually care about the substance he's pushing out. It's all to do with how it looks. So, I mean... Once again, are we really surprised that Keir Starmer is doing this sort of thing? Um, I, I'm not, personally. Mm. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, oh, he's at it again. <laughs> so no, exactly. you, all you can do is criticise. <laughs> well, let's bring up this. And, of course, this has nothing to do with discussing Islamophobia or Islam at all. Um that wouldn't be why this hasn't been talked about uh, for decades. But this is 70 years of gang um, who sexually abuse girls like piece of meat. I think this was in the mail. Uh, brothers Muhammad Ghani and John Shahad Ghani, Inser Hussein, Ali Raza Hussein, Kazmi and Martin Rhodes uh, were convicted of a series of child sex offences um, and they've been jailed for a total of uh, more than 70 years. This was just days ago on Wednesday. Um, and we've uh, we've seen this time and time again. It goes into the story of what happened, which is the same type of story. It's always sickening and, um, and horrendous. But once again, blind eyes are turned, this comes up. Um, 
and actually often you will get um these men jailed for the crimes and then obviously they get out after good behavior which is normally 50 percent of the time served and they spend the last part of that sentence in an open prison where they can head home whenever they want to um but again it Lewis, it is the fear of addressing a problem because of the concern that you'll have a backlash in society. Um, And I don't point the finger at the... I do point the finger partially at the Muslim community, but I point the finger mostly at the the white liberal uh, establishment that play this fear game. Well... As we know, these scandals um, have been going on since the 1970s. And, Mm. you know, we've discussed this at great length before uh, on camera and off camera and how uh, it has been a problem for a long time. And this is mainly and it is the primary reason why this is happening is because of fear. It's because of fear of backlash. It's because of fear of being called something that you're not for noticing something and saying, listen, there's something not right here and we need to address this. Um, And you don't have to hate anyone. You don't have to, you know, point the finger. It's all about noticing and saying, listen, we need to have an open conversation about this. And we need to say, look, um, there's serious, there is serious consequences. There should be serious consequences for these types of actions. I'll be honest with you, Peter, I didn't know that this story was circulating the news as of recent with mm. all that's going on and what's been happening uh, primarily in the news and, and what we've been what we've been seeing um and it said there 70 years did i read yeah there so it's good to to finally see justice even though it's so late um that <laughs> i mean there's there's so much so there's so many more um that has been untouched in terms of uh, crimes. And, and, and I'm, I can't even formulate the words. I'll tell you why. It's because stories like these just make me sick. I'm just, yeah. I'm just so tired of it. I'm tired of, of seeing this since the 1970s. I know I wasn't born then. I was born in the 90s. But still, when you read back and look, look at how even before I was born, this was going on in this, in this country, you, you kind of just sit there and think so many people, so many young girls have been mm. let down by the establishment by the police um, and by many other people who just either cover up or decide not to say anything or just decide you, you know what there's nothing to see here move along and if you do question it you're racist or you're an islamophobe or you're whatever it actually if it was if it was another group of people you shouldn't this these sorts of but i sorry i can't even get my words out because i'm that sort of frustrated with it this this shouldn't be happening this yeah. shouldn't be happening and I, I i'm sorry peter i can't actually finish my sentence because i get wound up every time that i see i see stuff like this but it's good to see i'm going to just end it here it's good to see that there has been some justice um but there are so many girls that have been a victim of this and it just it makes me it makes me just so upset that the police can't even do their job because of fears of being called a name. And it's not even, it's not even about that. I know, I know you talk at length about, um, of course, Islam and and things like that at length a lot. And, you know, at the same time, it's the establishment, it's the police, Mm. the ones mainly that have let this country down and have let these girls down. We know we've known victims as well, people that still go about their lives now. And it pains me to see that they carry on and still live in fear and they haven't got. What's the word? They haven't got faith in 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 the police force, in the commissioners, in the the establishment, in politicians, in absolutely anything, even in their local community to even talk about this sort of thing. And it it just makes me upset. So I hope to see more resolutions soon um, because. I'm just tired. I'm so tired of it. Yep. No, I'm Sam. Let's go. Let two more stories. Let's just do three minutes on each just to highlight. And um, neither probably need a lot of comp, but let me bring it up. Um, it was this, which obviously has happened. I haven't watched it that closely. I'm mm. interested in the whole area of um, off 
crypto. Um, but crypto king Sam Bankman-Fried faces decades in jail after a guilty verdict. This was uh, BBC, but covered everywhere. Uh, I think this was yesterday on Friday. Sam Bankman-Fried <coughs> once ran one of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges, has been found guilty of fraud money laundering at the end of a month-long trial in New York. A uh, jury took its verdict after less than five hours of deliberation. Um, it concludes a stunning fall from grace. His sentencing has been set for 20th of March next year. I don't know why it takes them five and a half months to work out how to jail someone who's um, who's guilty. But uh, this is the 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 confusing background world. But then, obviously, I didn't think this would happen just because his links with giving money to the the Democrat Party. But it seems though at least he has gone down and will be punished for it. Um, but I wonder if those he was kind of connected with and was funding, I wonder if those will be punished anyway as well. Am I certain in saying that this Sam Bankman, um, Freed or Fried, um, that he he had connections with, is it Clinton? Yep, yep, funded yeah. them big time, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I did read about that. I'll be honest, I haven't been keeping up with this story that much, but... Um, yeah, I have seen that it's always the Clintons. <laughs> They're just always there, you know. So let's just hope that his CCTV is working in uh, in his prison cell. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, it, I mean, the, the scale, because what, 30, FTX is worth $32 billion or something crazy. Mm. Um, and then they find out that $8 billion was missing out of, and it's, it seemed to be some kind of Ponzi scheme. But, yeah, I do hope the CCTV is working um, those American prisons, when individuals like this get arrested, it sometimes goes funnily. It wrong. does go funny, doesn't it? Sometimes it doesn't work. I don't know why. <laughs> just at that moment. Um, last one, Pro Jam. Can you bring the last one just on Trump and uh, the latest poll? Um, they, they come out generally every week, uh, pool of pools. And just for our uh, US audience, just to make sure you don't think we're forgetting about you, we're in posse. Uh, tracking the 2024 Republican primary, this updated the 31st of October, Trump holds a big lead over his 2024 rivals. Uh, well, <laughs> that's an understatement. Um, Donald J. Trump, 61%. Ron DeSantis is still hanging on at 13%. I thought Nikki Haley would have overtaken him, but she's at 7 Vivek Ramaswamy, who's come from nowhere and I'm still trying to work him out at 7%. Uh, Chris Christie, who ate all the pies, is down there. I don't know what he said. Tim Scott, who does really um, possibly might run for VP, um, is down there at about 2%. Uh, Doug Asa, oh, I did laugh at those when I watched the first one. And someone else is down there at the bottom. Um, it's Yeah, I, I, I can't see anything happening but Trump uh, taking the... Uh, primary for the Republicans and being their candidate. Um, I don't know how much you've watched this, how closely. What what, what are your thoughts on um, on this playing out? Well, I've noticed that every time that they try and throw something at Trump, his poll numbers go up, which is really <laughs> quite something. I've never seen a candidate have that before because usually when a scandal comes out about them or you know they're in a bit of hot water, yeah. whether it be true or false... Uh, usually their poll numbers plummet, but this mm. time it's gone up. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, I'd be interested to see what happens in 2024, I'll be honest, over in American politics, because I don't know why, I don't know why DeSantis decided to run against Trump personally. I, I don't really understand the, the logic behind that because Trump's mm. the main guy. So I don't really understand what DeSantis is sort of getting at other than showing off his new boots. Um, so, uh, I don't really understand all of that personally, but, um, it's going to be a very interesting year, uh, for politics. I think I, I, it's going to go one or two ways. I saw as well that RFK broke off and became independent yep. and he's, he's saying, oh no, I'm going to take Trump, um, votes and I'm going to take Biden votes. Mm, I'd say mostly Biden votes, but still, I think a lot of the conservative right will just go for Trump regardless. Mm. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, let's just hope there's no um, mail-in ball ballots this time, um, yep. this time yep. around, or, or the scale that they had last time, because I watched that live in 2020, 
and that was that was unbelievable i'd never seen anything like it it was like a it was like a really really on edge series it was like watching the sopranos or something right the way <laughs> towards the end so yeah it's going to be an interesting time i if i was an american right now uh, at this given time on saturday the 4th of november uh, i would vote trump i think i think that would be my candidate of choice so mm. far um because i think he's probably the most realistic out of all of them um yeah i may i may i probably have some questions for trump personally if i had the chance and mm. you know i as a journalist i would you know take the the bias out and sit down and have a proper conversation and and talk about things such as lockdowns and various other things yeah um but if you were to put pen to paper and say who would you vote for uh, it probably would be him so yeah the americans have got an interesting time ahead so good luck to them all and um hopefully their their candidate whoever it is um wins yeah 100% um lewis Good to catch up this afternoon and good to catch up this evening. Should do twice a day more often, but thanks so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts on all those stories. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it, Peter. And thank you very much for having me on. Not all. And thank you to the, uh, everyone watching, including the uh, War Room posse. Um, I just let me, I just leave you on a picture I saw today, which I thought was was quite comical. Maybe it's my childish humour. Um, oh, this was on Underground Station. Eco Lou that doesn't cost a buttload. costs 30% <laughs> less than leading brands. And make the switch at whogivesacrap.org. That actually is... I haven't gone on and checked out the URL, but I just love that someone had... I was going to say the balls, the guts to actually have a, a website. Who who gives a crap.org? I love that brashness and bravado. So um, anyway, to our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the um, enjoy the uh, podcast uh, with Dwight Schultz. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed getting to know him, enjoyed meeting him when I was over there a couple of weeks ago and uh, something completely different. So I hope he enjoys. Do let us know what you think of them. Um, this week, I probably dropped about five podcasts in the week. So uh, quite a lot. Really exciting to see those numbers on Podbean, all the podcasting side. So but do let us know what you think of them. Um, and we'll maybe look at adding others on and having regular ones off that ilk. We'll be back with you on Monday with Dr. Tess Laurie uh, talking about a paper they released on slavery, on uh, modern day slavery, and the stain that is on our society. We delve into the whole area of servitude, sexual slavery, a whole load of areas, and the the money involved in it. This is a massive, uh, nearly coming, building up to be uh, nearly as profitable as as drugs are. Um, so big topic. Uh, one that we've not covered before, and I really had a great time with Dr. Tess Laurie talking about that. So tune in on Monday, uh, 8 p.m. UK, and for the U.S. viewers, it is back to 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, because you've put your clocks back later on this evening to join us over in the UK. Um, so uh, we'll be back with you normal time. So thank you so much for tuning in and have a great time wherever you're watching, however you're watching. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.